Dr. CB. Damn, we back. We back in the dunny. A rather chilly dunny. It is a little chilly today. It's a little chilly out And there. the temperatures are going down. They are only going down. Yeah. Hey, I've been wondering, what's your favorite breakfast bacon? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what's my favorite breakfast bacon? <laughs> 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 we're really going here, huh? This is how we're getting in. I suppose the kind in strips. The uh, is it pork or is it turkey or what? is it vegetable? What do you have against Canada? Uh, what Canadian Canadian bacon? bacon? Oh man, what's that? The ham? Yeah. yeah. Never liked the Canadian bacon. What's that? The ham? Is that the ham? What do the Canades have going on up there? They got good stuff, but I don't know if my, the bacon is necessarily the thing that I'd be drawn into. Okay, so you, so your favorite type of bacon strips? Yeah, bacon strips. <laughs> okay, there we go. You ready for nice shouts? Well, no, because I need to know what your favorite <laughs> breakfast bacon is. Ah, that's so easy. Yeah. Oscar Mayer turkey bacon oh, in boy. strips as well. Okay, well done. How long did you prep that? <laughs> <laughs> I just see you out raking the you yard, just know. thinking, what is my favorite bacon? <laughs> yeah, the whole time raking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it only took me like a week. Yeah, well, that's also progress. <laughs> let's acknowledge that. That's great. <laughs> so let's get into nice shouts. Oh, nice shouts, my favorite. We got some good ones today. Yeah, this was a good one. So, you know, our first nice shout gets goes out to Ultra Drum underscore O2, right? Yeah. Michelle a- B. A.K.A. Michelle B. Michelle B. She tuned into the Vince episode. Mm-hmm. And um, like a caring human reached out because she was concerned about our microphones. Yeah. Probably based on maybe our, uh, you know, again, speaking toward our technological prowess yeah. and expertise yeah. and just kind of blatantly saying we uh, have fallen on hard times. <laughs> so she reached out and said she loved the Vince podcast. So thanks for tuning in. But she offered uh, uh, to help us with microphones. Yeah. 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 Sounds very kind. Um, How did she ho- offer to help us? Well, she said that we could borrow one, and she also mentioned that her husband uh, is works with audio. Oh, that's cool. So, so she was just being super generous. Yeah, because uh, I was out of town. I came back, and I read an exchange that sounded... Yeah. Well, I totally saw this as an opportunity to shoot my shot, right? <laughs> I was like, this might, this might be it. I can finally get rid of Dan. <laughs> so... so- what, yeah, what did you say? Well, I said, so I'll read the message here. It says, this might seem completely like an unfair trade, but given your husband's capabilities, can I just trade you Dan and three broken mics for your husband and the one good mic? I know it's totally lopsided, but I'm looking for any way to get ahead here. And then, you know, some niceties with thanks for, re- you know, reaching out yeah. and tuning in and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't having it. She, she wasn't having she it. She saw through. You you tried to acknowledge it was lopsided, but she saw, saw through exactly how lopsided it was. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you made a good point that I should have referenced that one broken Dan <laughs> and three broken mics. Yeah. But I, got, I guess I thought just kind of inherent in offering Dan that the, the common understanding is that you are broken. You so. felt like it was redundant to yeah. say broken Dan. Yeah. yeah. Why say the same thing twice? <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. where I was at with that one. Well, I'm glad she saw through it. Yeah. Still here in the dunny. Yeah, still here in the dunny. We still have Dan and still have some broken mics laying around here, too. Yeah, and many thanks, Michelle yeah. B, yeah. a.k.a. Ultradrum underscore two. Super cool for reaching out. Yeah. Next, uh, this was super, super cool. So this is Colleen Cooley. Um, 
she she's done several things for this area to talk about the importance of the region and the land and our connection to it um, and her history with it, her family history with it. Um, but recently she helped to organize and coordinate um, a web a webinar called Beyond the Pandemic. And there are two parts to it. One part is about indigenous sovereignty, and it basically addresses how to incorporate the indigenous people's um, thoughts into decision-making for the land in this mm. area, how to reincorporate that. Great. So powerful. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a second part that was all about diversity in the outdoors that addresses like the limited diversity in outdoor activities, outdoor sports, um, and, and how to change that. So what variables may inform it and then how to, how to encourage diversity mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So powerful. She also has a, a video that's available on YouTube called water flows together. Um, really powerful. We'll include links to all three of those in our, uh, show notes. So check those out and shout out, nice shout Colleen Cooley for all the work she's doing to, um, create dialogue and information in this area. Uh, it all sounds great. So powerful. Just really good stuff. Yes. So worth your time. Right on. Yeah. Nice shout Colleen. Yeah. Final nice shout for the day. Yo, we got to call ourselves out here. <laughs> so we got blown up. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, astrology experts across dude. the world. Yeah, the editors from Ass blew us up. <laughs> what? Yeah. The astrologist studying stars, man. The <laughs> ASS. They blew us up. <laughs> saying that we totally screwed this one up. Yeah, dude. Oh, Some jackalope referenced Mars in retrograde. Apparently not a thing. <laughs> so we got to give a nice shout basically to everyone who lit us up. Yeah. Uh, we had various people, but mountain sports in, in particular, <laughs> in mountain particular. sports. Yeah. Yeah. And one of probably the most friendly endearing exchanges I've seen on Instagram for calling someone out. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we, in that initial, right. Getting into the Vince episode talked about the microphones doing their funky thing as yeah, a yeah. product of Mars in retrograde <laughs> and, and, and all the Marses in I, all the retrogrades in all the Marses and all the retrogrades, just really messing with the, uh, the moment. And so apparently that's not a thing. (laughs) No, no, apparently not. Mars in retrograde. And so we got told that it's actually hashtag Mercury retrograde. Yeah. Yeah. Not Mars in retrograde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But they both start with M's, so. They do. (laughs) They do. It was a good effort on our part. And they're both in like the first half of the solar system. <laughs> this is one of the. <laughs> so I expect, I expect astrologists to give us a lot of sympathy with those two statements. <laughs> I, well, go ahead and throw it out there and see who comes back. I'm, I don't expect a lot of grace with this one. We were pretty, uh, pretty bad in these terms. Yeah. Well, shout out Mountain Sports for yeah. kindly calling us out along with all the other astrology experts. Yes, and the the crew from the ASS. Thank you so yeah. much. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Mucho thankies. Dude, so we're going mindfulness today. We yeah? got another mindfulness. Uh, it's been a minute. Attitude of mindfulness. Had, yeah, we had uh, Vince there. We had Vince. What a great interview. And the attitude we're back with is trust. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we do that. We've had that trend where we look at definitions. Trust is an easy one. Like, uh, yeah, everyone hey. defines that. So, Merriam Webb? The MW? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I got a, a definition from the MW. All right. The MW, MW defines it as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. All right then. Very straightforward. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the definition of an MW without going to the Urban D as well. Yeah, you gotta check it. You go to both sides of that <laughs> vocabulary spectrum. So the Urban D calls it like it is, mm-hmm. straight shooting. It says the hardest thing to gain and the easiest thing to lose. Spot on, man. There we go. Urban D. Yeah. Urban D just just sees it as it is. Yeah. Like let's go of all pretension. Yep. Calls it for what it is. Well done. And basically what we're going to be covering is is later on there's going to be a definition that I'm going to throw at you that I think really fits what we're addressing. But it's, trust is really about developing reliance on yourself. So that's an important piece. Is It's not just of others, but mm-hmm. on yourself and maybe better informed by intuition. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. So I thought we'd get started by playing a hypothetical game. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so let, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're in? I feel nervous, but yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I don't go. know why. <laughs> Super trustworthy. <laughs> huh? Yep. So let's say that I go out and I convince someone. I tell them, if I can get my, my partner, Chinchilla, to give me $10, would you be willing to give me $30 in exchange? And if I can convince someone of that and they say, yeah, I have $30 lying around that I'm happy to throw mm-hmm. your way, then I come to you and say, hey, I got this person that's willing to give me $30. All you have to do is give me 10 So if you give me $10, i will collect their 30 and then we'll split that $20 all together. Okay. So, so we can, you come out ahead. You actually come out $10 ahead. Okay. You just have to trust that when they give me that 30 then I'm going to split it. That you're actually going to yeah. split that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the game part of it. Okay. Are you willing to do that? Just straight up? <laughs> you're the guy convincing others? I'm the guy that you have to trust for me to split that money up after getting it. Absolutely not. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Why? Just knowing the context of our friendship, you're going to go out and convince some dude thirty to give you 30 bucks? Yeah. That, for me, I'm already skeptical. <laughs> Because I have to talk to a stranger. Yeah, even approaching someone and then asking for their money. Those are the two things I'm super comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, well, in the context of the game, I give you 10, I'm going to get back. Yeah, 20, yeah. because you'd give me 10, then I would get 30, so there'd be 40 if there were a collective pot, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically, you come out double. Yeah. You just have to trust that when I get the 10 from you, and the 30 from the other person that I'm actually going to split that pot instead right. of walking away with $40 for myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying here. So you in? I'm like squaring my Enneagram six here. <laughs> you like, got there's that no self, way. Self-doubt. <laughs> little self-doubt. Like, I don't, I don't believe anything that anyone's saying at this point. <laughs> self-doubt, doubt in others. How, how do I know that that $10 is actually going to come back? Twofold. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. There's no he way. just sent you into an existential crisis. Yeah. You, you don't. You don't trust me giving you money. You don't trust the world. Uh, yeah. Either of those things. There's no way. <laughs> you think we're all in a matrix? <laughs> that sounds about right. Go right to the existential loop. Yeah. So this is actually a game that's okay. played. It's used in research. It's often used in research for economists as well as psychologists. Mm. 
And for psychology, they often use it as a way to gauge someone's willingness to trust another person. So okay. I actually I actually played this game. Adam Grant addresses this game in his book, Give and Take. Yeah, so yeah. he addresses it really well. Um, but I had a professor that did this game way back, a long time ago when I was completing my undergrad degree. Okay. And um, he didn't tell us what the game was for. And it just went several weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was just for points, not for cash. And he said, we had these groups, and he said, if the group puts all their points in together, you, you essentially collectively get more points that then can be distributed. Hmm. But if you keep points to yourself while everyone is giving up their points, you can obviously take more. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I just, yeah. Why are you smiling? Because of the smirk on your face. I'm, <laughs> I'm so curious to see where this goes. So I had no idea. He just told us that the person with the most points won. Mm-hmm. So I was a little motivated to win. Yeah. So the way <laughs> that natural competitive edge is coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very subtle. People don't think I'm I'm very competitive, but I really am. Huh. Okay. <laughs> People that know me well, yeah, probably know that. But uh, so what I would do is each week that we'd meet as a group and decide whether to distribute the points or whether to keep them for ourselves, and all of that was kept secret. Yeah. So I would convince the group. I would use. You know, I, I would kind of use diplomacy to say, hey, everyone's on board. And I would try and look everyone in the eye and yeah. be like, for sure, you're, you're putting your points in, right? And try and convince everyone yeah. and and then t- keep all my points for myself. So I get all the collective points from the group as well as the ones that I'm keeping and not mm-hmm. giving into the group. And uh, lo and behold, I won uh, the game. You had the most points? <laughs> I did. But then I was revealed to be the most greedy and manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> so like everything you just said there confirms exactly why i felt the way i did when you asked me if i would give you 10 bucks so maybe that's your intuition that's my intuition and that maybe. spidey sense is like no i'm not giving you 10 bucks and maybe your intuition's on track hey okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah so this trust game it's it's used in research um and actually there was this unique dynamic put on it just recently a couple years ago it was by a guy named jean francois bonafond and uh, his colleagues and basically what they did is they paired up strangers and there's a truster and a trustee so the person asking for the money saying that i'll redistribute this back to you for more money than what you're giving me mm-hmm. but you have to trust me to give me the money okay. so that we can do that and uh basically there was a twist to the game so what they would do is they would give an image of the person that they were expected to trust. And they actually did two types of image. One image was like a full facial shot in color of the person. Mm -hmm. And the other was actually just an image of their eyes, nose, and mouth. Okay. So void of like anything below the mouth and and like their hair and everything. Um, And it was in black and white. Okay. Now, my question to you is, do you think in either of those groups, whether they were better at ch- better than chance at predicting whether they could trust the person to give, to redistribute the money? I guess my thought initially would be with more information, like, so, so with the full color picture, right? That's more yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that a person would be able to make a better decision. To like gauge, yeah. is this person trustworthy or not? Yeah. So, so, so basically, like if there, if there was a color photo of me or a black and white grayscale image of just my face, you think the people will be able to see through that competitive, greedy side easier with the colored image? 
I guess that would be my initial thought. Yeah. 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 It actually is opposite to that. So they were equal to chance Mm -hmm. with the full color image and with the grayscale image, they actually were better at predicting whether the person could be trusted in the, in the game or not. And this was a study just done. The conclusion they made about it, which would need further research is essentially that when people take in too much information, Mm -hmm. it becomes too complicated or convoluted that Uh. basically if you can just rely on a piece of information and go with that instead of trying to took it, take in all these details, maybe what color of shirt they're, they're wearing or what their hair looks like, mm-hmm. that um, we're better at just trusting that first initial response. And then when we begin to take in lots of information, we analyze that and debate it and go back and forth and second guess. Becomes convoluted yeah. in that way. Okay. Yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. So basically... Their conclusion is that, like, we need to trust those first impressions yeah. um, pretty quickly. And sometimes our analytical thinking can get in the way of that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I, it made me think with you. I wondered, yeah. do you have any experiences in your life where this played out to be accurate, where your intuition yeah. pulled well, through probably, for you? Uh, well, the opposite, where I'm like, I wish I would have listened to my intuition. <laughs> <laughs> so you have lots of examples where you experience oh, your man. intuition, and then your six and your second guessing came yeah. into play. Most most notably re- on the heart trail when we went past the, uh, I think we talked about that, right? <laughs> and my, and my intuition is telling me, like, let's just keep going. But nah, we just turned around and hiked up two miles back. <laughs> up the mountain <laughs> pretty sure if we kept going we just would have reached the trail junction and get back where we needed to be yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah you know one that really comes to mind was this is about 15 years ago mm-hmm. i think this is probably pretty common in a lot of ways so back when we used to get really bitching monsoons here in flagstaff mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah um i remember a friend of mine we were down in sedona in a side canyon and just kind of hanging out and hiking and that sort of thing I remember just feeling like this doesn't feel right. Like Mm -hmm. just kind of the color of the sky changing. We don't have like a huge view of the sky either, but just kind of noticing how it was shifting a little bit and thinking like it's also in the middle of July. So Mm -hmm. like this is like a pretty prime monsoon season Mm -hmm. or maybe Mm -hmm. it was August. But um, I remember thinking we need to get out of here. And so we did without a ton of information at that point other than just kind of that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it ended up like a wild monsoon rolled through. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I didn't see the canyon flush or anything in flash, but I would assume that it was probably, probably running did. pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one where to me it was just kind of that spidey sense, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just felt it coming. Just felt yeah. it coming. Yeah. Like yeah. between the, between the elements and just time of year and kind of putting those things together it was like, yeah, I think we should probably boogie. Yeah. 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 That, so so you're kind of describing a couple things where you're taking in some information, but then you're also just, you have a sense about it and yeah. the way that it goes. And examples like that are easy because in hindsight, you can say, yeah, that was probably a good decision. Yeah. Um, it's harder being on the forefront of that, to be in front of that and mm. to trust that. But yeah. The, yeah, essentially the idea is that intuition can be really helpful. And, and there's even more specific evidence for this. So there was another, another study that I found to be really interesting about this. The, what they did is they took these study participants and they put them into an fMRI, so a functional MRI, yeah. um, which gauges uh, what parts of your brain are firing through blood flow. Mm-hmm. So um, what they did is they showed these people, while they were in that machine, images of fragmented lines. And some of those images that they showed them came from actual pictures. And some of them were just lines randomly drawn on a page. So some of them didn't come from an image, an actual image. 
and some of them did, but they were just both fragmented sets of lines that you wouldn't be able to decipher without knowing. And when they showed them to these people, they asked them, does this come from an image or not? And people were better than chance at predicting which set of fragmented lines came from an actual image. Okay. And it may be because your brain tries to finish those images, mm-hmm. things like that. But um, they actually demonstrated by having them sit in the fMRI, they demonstrated all these different parts of the brain that light up. Mm-hmm. So they demonstrated like the median orbital frontal cortex lights up, the lateral portion of the amygdala, the anterior insula the ventral occipital temporal regions like uh, the fusiform gyrus and that all light up <laughs> and there will be a quiz after this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> so ba- so basically, that's just a nerdy oh, yeah. <laughs> neurological side. Yeah, neurological word salad. Yeah. <laughs> but but so basically, like those different regions and structures of the brain. There are areas involved with a couple of different things that are really important. They're, 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 it's like the regions of the brain that are involved with perception, uh, like emotional representation in the amygdala, mm. the, uh, the memories activated. And so essentially what they conclude is what we identify as gut feelings, there's likely a lot more evaluation going on. It's just that that evaluation happens on basically a subconscious level. So we're not consciously attuned to it, but that gut feeling comes from actually a production of analysis going on that we may not be fully aware of in cognitive form, but it develops a sense Mm -hmm. or an understanding of the thing. Um, And and if if you pull back out from that scientific view of it, there's a really valuable quote that from John Kabat-Zinn. He says, it is better to trust in your intuition and your own authority even if you make some mistakes along the way, and mistakes is in quotation marks because mistakes are, all, are learning opportunities, but he says, even if you make some mistakes along the way, then always look outside yourself for guidance. So it's better to trust your intuition than always looking mm. to these external sources. And if you, if you combine that study with statements like that, essentially you come down to, yeah, that gut feeling may have a lot of analysis going on that you're not consciously aware of, but if you come, if you're in tune with yourself, it may actually be guiding you in the right direction a majority of the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, uh, does intuition, here's a question for you. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me prime. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> Prime the pump. Prime the pump. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Does intuition just involve the brain? No. Is that <laughs> Man, yeah. It was, did you use your intuition for that? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just let it yeah. just let it go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, um, in thinking about it, in some of the articles that I read, in 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 thinking more about this, is it's really important to also trust your body. So mm-hmm. it also made me think about. Um, Lisa Feldman Barrett. You remember that lecture you gave me about emotions? About emotions, yeah. That whole thing about what emotions are supposed to be. Yeah, and I would say that really landed. (laughs) Really seems some emotional uh, growth Growth? with you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I've seen you identify anger and happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So Lisa Feldman Barrett talks Mm -hmm. about interoception. Yeah. Um, 
And so that essentially, I think, is where the body comes into play, that that this process of developing a gut feeling isn't just re- related to the brain. So remind me about what that, yeah. what that is. Oh, that's so important. I'm really glad you brought that up, right? So well, one, you were kind of talking about that subconscious process, right? And that's what we refer to as allostasis. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially um, the brain's networks regulating um, internal systems Mm -hmm. by anticipating needs. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so the conscious process of that is interoception, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is where we basically, uh, the brain is able to represent sensations in the body and give them meaning. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's kind of related to the idea that emotional feeling states arise from physiological changes in the body. Yeah. And then, and then putting a narrative to those physiological changes. Yeah. Using a a word or using language to understand or represent that. Yeah. 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 So the way I was thinking about it is like in the way you just said that you have to be aware of what sensations are going on in your body to even develop that narrative. Yeah. And, and a moment ago when you were talking about that monsoon, Mm -hmm. I think that's like the gut feeling is like that interoception piece where you kind of know what feels on or off Mm -hmm. to you physiologically. Yeah. You know, it's kind of goes back to that idea that's just like, I knew in my gut like my gut was telling me that sort of thing. Yeah. We hear people say that in therapy all the time. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah. we even ask that question sometimes, like what is your gut telling you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I know from going back to that, that specific situation, it was like the spidey sense, right? Like yeah. something just doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. There's something internally that just doesn't feel yeah. totally in, yeah. in tune or in harmony. Yeah. Essentially it becomes really important to be attuned to what those sensations are mm-hmm. to really learn about yourself, like learn when you're hungry like when you need to rest or when you need to be active, when you need to be in pr- the presence of others or when you need to spend time by yourself, um, when you need to recover and when to push, those can be very different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Basically become aware of what you're experiencing physiologically and then that present awareness will help you build trust in that gut feeling or that intuition you have. So then I have another question for you. Okay, let me yeah. prime. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Is it ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does trust just involve trusting ourselves? No. Yeah. How, Was that right? Yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I can always tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you have no problem doing so. Yeah. So why would you say no? <clears throat> why why does it not just involve trusting ourselves well because we live in, i guess and this is my personal thought mm-hmm. in it is that we live in community or in relationship to others unless unless you're like out in a co- cabin off grid in yeah. the woods and sometimes some people are pretty good at effectively isolating themselves from relationships from others so there's a, lao tzu you know um taoism mm-hmm. the author of the tao um, he, he has a quote that says, he who does not trust enough will not be trusted. And I think this relates to that element. Mm. And as I was thinking about trusting others, I was reminded of this podcast. I've actually heard it, heard this, um, study referenced in a couple of different podcasts. And the, there's actually a Ted talk about it is, is this ecologist, Suzanne Simard, who studied trees. Okay. And I, I thought, man, we could learn a lot from trees. <laughs> I always feel that way. Do you? Always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she planted a bunch of um, Douglas and birch fir trees, and she put these little bags over them. And then she used um, isotope tracing. She put carbon um, carbon into the bags and would determine whether that carbon showed up in another bag. It would demonstrate that the underlying root system 
we're in contact with an, one another and, okay. and providing resources with one another. And she actually used two isotopes. And so she could determine directionally which tree was, was that gas was coming from and where it was going to. And then she could also gauge whether it was coming back. Okay. And so she found that those Douglas and birch trees, those fir trees, would actually communicate with one another. And then she would do things like block the sun or reduce the water. And she discovered that they would distribute resources to the tree that was lacking. Um, and it, that, that would happen bidirectionally. So it wasn't like if the Douglas trees were lacking, the fir trees would give. And then if the fir trees need or the birch trees needed it, that the Douglas trees wouldn't offer it. It okay. like went both ways. Like okay. whenever a resource was lacking, it yeah. was distributed to the other. Um, and essentially I thought this is a lot like the trust game. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny you said that. That was just in my mind. I was like, Dan was not like a tree. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I was not. You were not like a tree. But also you weren't because you weren't willing to give me the money. And <laughs> yeah, so, that's true too. <laughs> so if you, if you were willing to give me the money, I think we could both be more like the trees. We could be more like trees. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So our own humanness gets in the way of us being like trees. Boy, is that yeah. not the truth of it all. That's the truth of it all. Yeah. So basically they have to learn to, to if I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more of this resource to help this other tree that's currently lacking, I have to trust also if I'm in that position mm -hmm. that that same tree is going to offer back. Yeah. And this brought me back to the human side of things. So Brene Brown, mm -hmm. one of one of the most prominent current writers, sure. thinkers about things like vulnerability and trust, mm -hmm. um, talks a lot about trust. And she actually talks about how when she reads definitions of trust, she doesn't like them very much. Um, <laughs> okay. But she landed on one that was given by Charles Feldman. She says, so she uses this as her definition coming from Charles Feldman. It's that trust is choosing to make something you value vulnerable to another person's actions. Mm. That sounds very Brene. Yeah. 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 Like but you this Charles, yeah. Yeah. You throw something out there and you have to trust that person, what mm. that person is going to do in response to it. Yeah. Yeah. Quick interjection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking just back into response to that question, like, why do we do this? Right. Yeah. And I was thinking like, there is sort of this, um, like the trees in order to meet the needs of one another, in order to further advance society or yeah. further advance, um, uh, like our own cooperation with each other and to keep things well. Yeah. We have to trust in others to be able to, to meet our own needs as well. Oof. It can be tough. It can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. But valuable. Yeah. And she kind of summarizes that like, if people show trust, like we should also trust them and, and that that's mm -hmm. a reciprocal process. And when that goes back and forth and builds, we kind of have to extend ourselves a little on that person. If they show up, it kind of goes back and forth, bringing it a full picture. Like, so that's trusting others. Really trust involves learning about ourselves and acting on what we feel best about, as well as trusting others through mutually showing up for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trees. Yeah. <laughs> trees. Be like trees. Be like trees. Yeah. Uh, essentially, I think the attitude of trust in the way that it's spoken about is it allows us to be mindfully present and to act with intention and awareness in the unique and unexpected experiences in our lives. Yeah. Life is coming at us. And if we trust ourselves, 
to respond in the moment and we trust others, we'll be able to manage those moments with intention as we build increasingly more trust in yeah. those things. And to be, well, I love the way you said that, just mindfully present with your own self and yeah. attuned to what's happening internally to allow for that to guide in decision-making and going forward. So there's there's a quote that I think would be good to finish with. This is again by John Kabat-Zinn, and he says, We are strangers to so many aspects of our lives. Every time we trust ourselves, we can bring attention to that trust, and every time we don't trust ourselves, we can bring attention to that as well. Mm. Essentially, we need to catch ourselves when we fall into that distrust of either ourselves or others. And then extend ourselves to put put it out there a little bit and yeah. roll with that. So with intention, taking that step. Yeah. So I really think that we could put this all into practice and conclude by you offering me $10. If I had it, I'd give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you take a, that's as good as money, sir. You take IOUs. <laughs> That's as good as money. That's as good as cash. Well, I'm going to pull my trust back on you because I don't think that it is. (laughs) That's an IOU. $10. I think it would be for some people and for you. I think I definitely not. I don't know that it would. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. So you can always hit us up on the interwebs www.beyondflag. Flag spelled FLG. Absolutely. And then we're on the Instagrams, we're on the Twitter feed, and beyond underscore flag is our jam. Just instigating a follow. Instigate that follow. Yeah. So if you got any thoughts, want to hear anyone on the pod, uh, engage in some mindful dialogue about trust. Yeah. Hit us up. Hit us up. We'd love to talk with you. Yeah. In the meantime, take care. Love you.